Ball spa. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be all, end all, know it all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Calc with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Wednesday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. We've got all kinds of stuff on the slate. Local kid made his OU debut on the golf course this week. We'll tell you how that went. Did you see, do you know the name Darnell Taylor, Jared? No. Okay, did you see in the Seahawks-Lions game, one of the Seahawks defenders... Make a fool of himself? <laughs> no. I'll have to tell you about it uh, toward the end of the show. It was amazing. I don't know if I've ever quite seen. I don't think I saw this. It was awesome. I'll tell you about it at the end of the show. Okay. Exactly how Darnell Taylor made a, a fool of himself. College football. Heading into conference play. I want, to, I want you to give me your top five storylines across the country. More locally. Do you think this is the lowest over-under on a game, the OSU-Iowa State game, since Mike Leach came to the Big 12? 36? Oh, wow. <laughs> Zero expectation. That's like 20 to 17. And that's not a compliment to their defense, is it? It's a, uh, it's, no, I, think I don't it's, think uh, so. I think it's telling you what Vegas thinks about their offenses. These two coaches Good Lord, feeling Matt some Campbell. heat. Did you see him? Yes. My God. Feeling some heat here. Uh, you think Matt Campbell regrets? Now we don't know if he really did have all those offers, you know, coming off of what the twenty twenty season. He's a hot name, hot, hot, hot name. Wonder if he regrets what he did. Uh, I think you believe this will be Oklahoma's first test at Cincinnati. We'll talk about that, and then I, I know this is going to be brought up, especially with OU this week, and then also I think with Texas this week. Two different things, but how much? You know, the, the, with Cincinnati first conference game at home against Oklahoma, and then also these the kind of the swan songs of some of these rivalries with Texas going to Baylor. How much are the? How much is that really a thing? Like the first time one of those two comes into your house, especially for the newbies, and then kind of the last time that these two go on the road in certain places. Places obviously Bedlam is top of mind there. How much is that really a thing? How much could that even really affect what the outcome could be? So we can talk about that. Uh, right off the top, a little baseball. Most important series left. I kind of got sidetracked and didn't get all of those written down, unfortunately. I can think of a couple just right off the top of my head. No more important than uh, Texas and, and Seattle. Uh, but there have to be some more. My Brewers, just about done. Just about wrapped up the old central will. It's Cubby's bad time to lose five in a row, but they got a win last night. They, that's, uh, the, the wild card race is going to be awesome down the stretch as well. So we'll talk about that. Rangers bullpen, historically bad, but they're hanging in. They're hanging in right, right in there. Even blowing a save last night, they still got the win. 
No, it helps you get Josh Young back. It does, and and I think that's what's helped them stay afloat, right? Because you mentioned it was all crumbling at the same time with the bad bullpen and the hitters that were hurt. Now they've gotten that lineup back intact, and they've been able to kind of tread water. Will it be enough to get into the playoffs? Otani has gone home and had Tommy John surgery. He's going to hit in 2024, be ready to pitch in 2025, according to the reports this morning. And then about the time you start feeling sorry for Cardinals fans, like, man, your team is terrible. You're usually one of the better teams in, in the NL, if not baseball. you got to realize what they've been able to do the last 12 months, what they've been able to see. If you don't know what that is, I'll tell you. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. Talk about any of those things. Whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you going to be outside the listening area, stay in touch with the show a couple of ways. Log on to kadsam.com. Download the app as well. You can do that. It's a free download, Paragon Communications app. It's got everything. Radio, the Penny News, brand new edition of that Penny News is on the website as we speak. The, ThePennyNews.com. Check out the new deals in this week's Penny News be able to grab one of those dudes a lot of places tonight for sure by in the morning everywhere uh big elk and paragon tv big elk tv will be silent this friday night because the elks getting their buy paragon tv won't though you've got merit opening up district play against moreland that's tomorrow thursday it's a thursday game homecoming out at merit uh, for moreland coming into town and then hollis hosts who did i say that surreal hollis hosts surreal on Friday, that's still non-district play for Class B's District One, so they don't have as many teams as everybody else. So they still got a couple more weeks of non-district before they hit that district slate. But Paragon TV, watch it through the app. High school sports streamed live there, and of course the Skinny on Sports podcast. You can find it everywhere where you find any other podcast in your life. Hello, Jared. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What'd you do last night? Oh, uh, we um the earliest that I can remember uh, ever watching a basketball game, an organized one. Little kids, little uh, third and fourth grade basketball started last night. Yeah, uh, it was funny oh, because oh. this weekend at the baseball field, a couple of kids, uh, the kid from Canute, a couple of them on, on Wyatt's team this summer, this uh, fall, and they were both talking about how tired they were going to be because basketball was starting. I was like, what? It's, uh, it's September. Yeah, after the game uh, – one of the girls, she she's on a 12U team. She left the lock, came out of the locker room in her uniform because she had games last night. <laughs> it's like, wow, Emma, you got to go to now play softball. She's like, yeah. So, yeah. you know, you know who loves basketball season being like six months long? The coaches, Matt Thompson. What? Why is that? He just loves it. <laughs> he doesn't really like softball or baseball as much as basketball, so he loves that basketball takes up all this amount of time instead of baseball and softball and being really sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought you were. Yeah, being really. Like, it doesn't sound like, okay. <clears throat> I mean, really sar- sarcastic. But uh, you could t- It was fun. And what well, was great. Cause was it hot in the gym? No, no, it was fun. It was comfortable. Really? It was over at Hammond. Oh. It was at Hammond. It wasn't. A, okay, so you yeah. haven't had a home game yet. No. No, and that's that's crazy. The schedule, and I I don't know, I I don't question it. It just it is what it is. But we won't play again till the end of October. So it's like we. Oh yeah, this I remember one, you telling me that. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay, we play this one game, and now we'll wait. 
but whatever. But um, it was fun. You could tell they were rusty, but because they haven't played in a, in a while. But well, it's because it's September. <laughs> a little bit, and plus, I mentioned one girl was going to softball. Most of those girls played <laughs> softball on Monday night. Yeah. You, know, you guys switch gears, you know. But they did good. They it was fun to watch them. Good, a lot of good numbers. It's encouraging to see the number on boat for Hammond too. Of course, Hammond always going to have good numbers, and so it was fun. That's what. So, but it wasn't a late late night. Able to get home and kind of just relax. Didn't really, first night this week, no, don't have anything. We're mm-hmm. only night. So, and Friday night, obviously, since we don't have a football game. So that was my night. How was your night? Um, it was good for a while, and then it got a little scary. As far as the football games, junior high football here, Alva was in town. The Gold Bugs. Seventh grade Elks were cruising, 26 nothing in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, this dude, the kid from Alva that's running back, it was like a just a normal play for about two-yard gain. Or so I thought. And somehow he gets out of a – scrum runs it down to like the two they score in the next place and it's like okay 26 to 8 then the offense doesn't get a first down first play of the next series about a 60 yard touchdown pass and it's like hmm 26 to 14 <laughs> don't get another first down first play of the next series almost the exact same play oh dear uh-oh it's 26 to 20 with like two minutes and 45 seconds left. They've got all timeouts. Here comes onside kick that the Elks recovered it. And then <clears throat> DeCure DeCured <laughs> from about midfield or so. He starts out right, makes a guy miss, then crosses completely from one sideline to the other. And as he gets to the the Alva sideline on the east side of the field, he turns it up. Looks like he's got his face mask grabbed and like eight dudes around him. And about a split second later, he burst out the other side for like a fifty yard touchdown, thirty four to twenty, and then that was pretty well it. It was uh, it was awesome. Like oh my gosh, where how did he do? That? You say that about twice a game. Like, how did he do that? But uh, so the seventh grade Elks won like thirty four to twenty. I think the eighth grade. Uh, pretty well dominated, thirty-eight to twelve. So both of those teams still unbeaten, and uh, trip to the Tornado Bowl coming up for all Elk City teams next week. Tuesday is the junior high, and then of course the high school on Friday. So see what uh, see what they're made of against the Red Tornadoes next week. But it was fun. It was a beautiful right. evening. Yeah, it was. All the all the weather was east or south it or did. wherever from us. So worked out pretty well. Baseball, baseball's uh, man. Coming down to it, you know the the first what half or three quarters of the season was dominated by the Otani story. Then he gets hurt, and that goes kind of in the background. And now it, it's it, it's pennant time. It, it's pennant chases. It's wild card chases, and we've got one very interesting division race in baseball, which is the AL West. One semi-interesting, maybe, with the AL East. But then the wildcard chases are fascinating in both leagues. Uh, right now, as it stands today, the Orioles would win the AL East, which is an awesome story that nobody saw coming. With all that young talent, got to be at least a year ahead of schedule, if not two. 
They're two and a half games up, three in the loss column over the Tampa Bay Rays. With Everybody's got around 10 games, 11, 12, somewhere in there to play. So just three series uh, in Baltimore. Up three in the loss column, 10 games left. Neither both those teams have already clinched playoff spots, so there's no there's nothing to worry about as far as dropping out of the playoffs for either one of those squads. They're done with each other, so we're not going to kind of get that down the stretch here with maybe a three gamer between those two teams. So it's going to be about playing everybody else between the Orioles and the Rays. But both those teams are into the playoffs no matter what. Uh, there, the Twins have an eight game lead. They're about to clinch the Central, and then it comes down to. It's a three-way tie in the West in the loss column between Houston, Texas, and Seattle. Whoever doesn't win that division is going to be in a dogfight with the other one that doesn't win the division and also Toronto, who was a a loss ahead with only 67 losses of both those teams. Fascinating down down the stretch, Jared, especially in, in a division that I think we thought was going to be more of a cakewalk for the Astros than what it's turned out to be. Yeah, and it's this couldn't have played out more perfectly for MLB and uh, for TV audience and for interest here late September going into October because of the upcoming games that Houston has, Texas has, Seattle has, and Toronto has. They're all – it's not just, okay, we can cakewalk through the They're all critical. They're all crucial. And it's going to have everyone – while they're at football games checking <laughs> baseball scores instead of other football game scores if you're a baseball fan it's going to it's 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 awesome and ALS uh, I I mean I guess Houston kind of had a feeling that they would rise to the top but um it's nice obviously for my rooting interest to see the Rangers finally be relevant and uh, and here come the Mariners you thought if it was going to be three teams in the west you would have thought it'd be Houston uh, LA and then maybe Texas or Seattle um, with the way Texas is drafted, and then of course what, who they acquired in the off season, they couldn't be that bad that long. So I'm, um, that's awesome. But yeah, it's all, I, I love I love it when teams like the East and the West, where there are three really good teams, you know. And unfortunately, though, it looks like one team out of the West is going to be left out because I, it's it's going to be Toronto and then the second place team out of the West, I think. Yeah. So Seattle plays Oakland today. And then their last 10, three in Texas. Then they host three with Houston. Then they finish out with that four-game series against the Rangers. So they every single game after today matters, matters immensely for Seattle. And that's that can be good and that can be bad. And I think part, part of you would want to play Oakland like 10 times <laughs> down the stretch. Sure. Instead of, but, but you can also make up ground in a different way than, than anybody else. Because every one of those games is a, is a game in the standings between you and Texas and, and Houston, and so that's so obviously you, you know what uh, Houston and Texas have there. They're they're done with each other, but they both still have uh, those games against the Mariners. You mentioned Toronto, Toronto down the stretch here. They've got uh, three with let's see two more uh, let's see two more with the the Yankees, then three at uh, three on the road at Tampa. Then three more with the Yankees. Then three more at home. Uh, those at home, so and those then three Tampa more Bay with Tampa. Games, yes, you know you got during that. Especially Mariners, if Tampa, especially if Tampa can get a little bit closer to Baltimore, 
where they're yeah. trying to win those games down the stretch yeah. to try to win the division. Right, and and that's crazy is when uh, the way you just said it, I, I would assume that the Mariners-Rangers series are happening at the same time as the Toronto-Tampa Bay series. They are. I mean, both teams are going to be watching that oh, series yeah. while they play. You know, like, okay, because that that's wild card implications. That's so fun. And then also, I mean, then, of course, Houston Seattle. I wrote down some key series left, mm-hmm. and so all those that we mentioned. Again, it's great. It's great. It's not It's not shut it down, you know, what teams that are eliminated going up against teams that have clinched towards the end of the year. I mean, the pennant races are awesome. Wild card races are awesome. And then that just carries over into October in the playoffs. Yeah, because you really get two extra weeks of playoff baseball like starting playoff right baseball. now. It feels like playoff baseball. It does yes. feel like playoff baseball is happening right now. And and it, I love it because every pitch, every game, every at bat matters. It's going to be great. Then in the National League, and by the way, <laughs> I just I got I just have to say it out loud for myself is there was zero expectations for the Rangers to win eighty plus games and maybe just miss out on the playoffs by half a game or something. Still, in hindsight, it's a pretty good season. Yeah, but and it matters dealing now. with dealing with two two your best pitchers who got injured. It's still in the conversation. Three for 17. So, you know what that number is? Has to be related to the Rangers' bullpen. Converted save chances. The last 17, they've, made, they've, got, they've converted three. Clear, uh, clear upgrades needed in the offseason there. Just twist that knife some more. Just <laughs> I mean, twist a Let me ask more. you this. Let's, let's just pretend like the Rangers just – every reliever they have at the big leagues, just send them a pink slip. And they brought up every uh, uh, that number of relievers mm-hmm. from the minor leagues. There's no chance they could do worse, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, there's clear problems to be fixed. You know, yep. there's there's go- stuff that they uh, they addressed, and that was the starting pitching, and they addressed that and shored that up. I would think the rotation, when healthy, is really good. Now maybe this offseason they go after some relief, some relievers, some closers, whatever that, and, and shore up that bullpen. But you know what's going to be on everybody's mind this offseason? This Shohei. fall is Otani. In the National League, the division races are pretty well decided. I mean, the, the Brewers would have to absolutely collapse to a point we may never have seen in the history of baseball. They're up six in the loss column with 11 to go. So, and, and the Braves and the Dodgers have already clinched. So those things are pretty well decided as far as your your three division champs. In the wild card hunt, you had the Phillies as the first wild card. Diamondbacks, Cubs, both with 72 losses. Um, They're next. Marlins, a loss back at 73. Cincinnati at 74. Giants at 75. Padres got hot. They are molten fire hot right now. It's winners of six in a row, but I think it's going to be a little bit too late. They're back at 78 losses, which would be... Six in the lost column back. <coughs> Probably too far. Uh, but uh, that's going to be really interesting. And, and I know, and I've said this, everyone in the National League wants to see Braves-Dodgers in the NLCS. Everybody wants to see Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna. By the way, Ronald Acuna is unbelievable. Last night was the 12th game, courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info. 12th game that he had a home run and a stolen base in the same game. It's tied for second most in a season all uh, since 1900 with Bobby Bonds, who did it in 19... You know who uh, 
You know who had the most in the season? No. I think you can get it if you think about it. Repeat the stat. I have to let it process. Uh, Acuna has 12 games this season with a home run and a stolen base. Uh-huh. One guy in 1980, I'll even give you the year, 1986, there was a guy that had 13 games with a home run and a stolen base. 86, uh, Ricky Henderson? Ricky Henderson, that is correct. All-time leader in that stats. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I want to be Scott like George it. on Seinfeld. That's it for me. Thank you. I'm out. <laughs> I shouldn't have given you the year. It would have been harder to think Yeah. Of. You uh, say the late 80s and anything involves stolen base, you got to go to Ricky Henderson absolutely, first. Absolutely, <laughs> 100%. Uh, so, Acuna, that, that's a heck of a – of a, uh, a, a MVP race, I think in the National League, I have a feeling Acuna is going to win over. Uh, give it to him; uh, it, he should. But yeah. we'll see. And then, honestly, in the in the American League, it ought to be closer than it's going to be because of how long that Otani is going to end up being out. Mm-hmm. Your boy Sager is. You look at the numbers; he's right there. He made a huge error last night, but uh, yeah, they made up for it. They did make up for it. And that was Josh Young, but it's going to be. Sager made one too. No, Josh Young got the run. Oh, got he the, got the, I got the go I got ahead you. run. Yeah, uh, but I, you know, Otani. I'm just seeing here his 10.0 WAR. He's going to win it, even though he only played in 135 games. Sager was hurt too, though. I mean, he was out for a little there bit a little as bit. well. Yeah, so that, those things kind of even out. Uh, but really, really fun stuff coming down the down the stretch. I mentioned about the Dodgers and the Braves. Watch out. I mean, I know I'm a, a newly minted Brewers fan, but when it gets into a playoff series, starting pitching, the Brewers can run out three guys as good as anybody in the National League. So that's a little bit of food for thought. Mm-hmm. Also, Cardinals fans, I mean, I know they're terrible. But think about the last, what, 11 months, what they've gotten to see. They may have gotten to see the last time these milestones are ever reached in Major League Baseball. Last year, Albert hitting 700. Last night or two nights ago, Adam Wainwright with his 200th win. And maybe the last time we see that from anybody in baseball. Do you know who's you know who's closest to 200 wins right now? Active? Active. Closest to 200 wins now that Wainwright notched his 200th win on Monday. No. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. 33-year-old Garrett Cole who has won 143 games. I would have thought something like Verlander. They're already there. He's already there. He's yeah, already, yeah. Oh, okay. Verlander's 255. Oh, okay. I thought no. Yeah, no, no. They're already there. I'm talking about the guys that – Wainwright got to 200. He now, who's to, next? So who's next to 200? Yes. So, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, at 33, uh. has won 143 games. That's no guarantee he gets there. No, not at 33. And with the way that the game has changed, bullpen being so much more important and wins be damned by the by the, <laughs> the starting pitcher a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, of course, 700 home runs is right. obviously yeah. what that is. So. Not feeling sorry for you, Cardinal fan. I'm just not going to. Nah, and they will be fine. Yeah. One one bad season. They will be fine. Not feeling bad it for you. It is feeling it is weird that Cardinals, Red Sox, and Yankees are not in the discussion for playoffs. Not that even, is weird. It is a little bit weird. Hanging out here on a Wednesday. It's kind of it's a Friday for me, Jared. 
That's right. You're not going to be here. Not going to be around. Uh, Scotty G, of course, it's a Garrison Financial Friday. Every Friday, he has been, he has accepted the offer to go the full hour with you. That's great. So that's awesome. Efforting some other things for tomorrow. Yeah, I'll let you know hopefully if that we, happens. Hopefully we can share before the end of the show. Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah, got to take advantage of the bye week. You're going to take advantage of Thursday night here in a couple weeks. What's Thursday night? What am I taking advantage Thursday night games, which mean Friday opportunities go do something. You're gone on a Friday in like two or three weeks, right? Oh. Hello, Jerry. Oh, yeah. Uh, fall, fall break. Fall break. Yeah, I won't be here the 13th of October. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I thought you were talking about like this week. I'm like, what am I doing Thursday night? No, what did no, I no. commit to that I no, forgot no, no. about? No, I mean, take advantage of those open Fridays. Yeah, no, yeah, Friday, uh, October 13th. I'm going to I'm gonna see uh, the most hated man in country music, Jason Aldean. Oh, I don't think that's a true statement. <laughs> I mean, we already went through the Kane Brown thing with Coach Venables. And naming him love the it best. because of one song. Yeah, I don't. I, I think there's more people that love <laughs> Here's it. Here's the deal: hate it. I got those tickets, or my wife did. Um, got those tickets before that whole controversy went down, and yeah. then I actually said to her, "You know, we might make some money if we sell those tickets. They're going to be pretty, pretty hot ticket right now." There's a lot more hated people in country music than Jason Aldean. <laughs> Marin Morris, everybody, she's hated so much she quit. Yeah, if you notice, uh, KSU doesn't spend her music anymore. <laughs> the but program director made that decision. What about Oliver Anthony? I, I know he's on Drew's show every day. Yeah, it's in rotation. <laughs> I love that song. His second great, one, not as good. Great meaning. Haven't heard the second one. Yeah, no, it's not as good. Rich men north of Richmond. It's just it's a catchy tune. Yeah, it's... um. His voice is kind of haunting sounding a little bit. I mean, he's no Stapleton or anything his, like that. His but. beard is too, man. You look at that beard. So, it's strong. Just it's like the hypno toad at TCU, just kind of wow, wow. Strong beard it's game. It's a strong beard game for sure. All right, college football storylines are interesting this year because it it's felt for basically the entirety of the playoff since 2014. Each season is fairly cookie cutter. With what happens. You know, for the first few years, it was, okay, Bama-Clemson, they're going to play every year for the title from here to eternity. Yeah, sure you know, felt like that. It, you know, and then, you know, Ohio State and Oklahoma will be in the playoff or some, you know, here and there, there was a different team rise up in Notre Dame a couple of times or now Georgia, Georgia's obviously, risen in is, there. Yeah. has been in. But for the most part, pretty pretty similar feeling seasons throughout the the history of the playoffs so far. This season doesn't feel even remotely like any of those so far. To this point, it it it, it seems like there's a almost a turning over of what college football is bringing us so far. So, I want you to give me your top 5 storylines of the non-conference portion of most people's schedule as we hit conference play coming up this weekend. Okay, give me your. So, like number, re, like what are the? I I, I kind of wrote down like what are the storylines as we get into conference play? Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Just yeah, like, yeah, like, like so far, <clears throat> what's dominating the talk in college football? Oh, well, one's Colorado, obviously, right? Dion, that's Dion. why I put Dion. Not yeah, not Colorado, but Dion. He he's that's the number one thing. Maybe uh, n- uh, number two. Did you? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Before you go past Dion, mm-hmm. did you see the ratings? 
for that game I did. on Saturday night. I did. Almost ten million in a game that didn't start till almost midnight. On the East Coast. On the East yeah. Coast. <laughs> ten o'clock here. Went to one what? One thirty. I can here. say I contributed to that, but I <clears throat> fell asleep. <laughs> but the T V was on. But no, yeah, I saw the numbers. I gotta tell you, Dion is one of the most man, it, it it's captivating. Yeah. Because what he said, like just yesterday, you know, the big uproar about the hit on Hunter, and then he comes out and says, listen, we've forgiven the guy. He played a hell of a game. Let it go. You know, then those – like about the time that he – about the time you get over the phenomenon of Colorado and Dion, he does something like that and just like pulls you back mm-hmm. in, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, what is going on out there and what he's doing, it's like 80% good in my mind. But I'm not sure, the 20% that isn't, I'm not sure how that how that squares with, the, like, it's, it's, it feels like 50-50, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that 80 is great, this 20 is this, and all of a sudden I'm like, I like the uh, same as I don't. You know what I mean? It's so weird. Uh, but there is zero doubt that the story in college football to this point is Dion. No doubt. That's the easiest number one answer we've ever given on this show. Yeah. I, I didn't know we're ranking them, but that's the first thing that came to mind is is going to be Dion. Yeah, the hang, second one. Go, hang on right go quick. Ahead. On, the, on the text line, 225-9698 is that number. Dion is just one of those guys who's a winner. Like it or not. That's right. That's exactly right. Yep. And, and I think he – Kind of, he does it the right way too. Well, I mean, that was a like you mentioned his response to the hit and all you know all that controversy. That that's and maybe this is a strategic. Res- <clears throat> it may it made me think. Well, that's where I want my kid to go play. A guy, a guy like that. Yes. Like he's he's saying that stuff, and that definitely helps everybody involved. But it was classy, right? He he yes. didn't he didn't have to come out and throw uh, gas on the fire. Or anything so and everybody likes a cool guy everybody gravitates to what's the cool hip thing right I, my only question is and i've said this earlier in the week will that continue if they lose their next two will that interest level because that's how it works in today's day and age we live in this social media instant gratification world where if it's not cool anymore all of a sudden uh i don't know the rappers and uh, a-list hollywood guys aren't on your sideline anymore yeah, I think they will be. Because you're suddenly three and two. Yeah, I don't think that matters because I think what Dion is, I think that he is speaking to a different set of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In in Colorado, in Boulder, Colorado. You know, I saw a whole bunch of, of, you know, like comments about that. Like, we've never had <laughs> these type, these guys ever want, have any interest in Boulder, Colorado, and it's Dion driven for sure. I'm keeping receipts. People say they're Colorado fans. Are you going to be when he takes another job and leaves? <laughs> no, you're a Dion fan, which is fine. Call it what it is. Buy the sunshades and and wear them. Yeah, seventy grand in sales for those. Yeah, in like three don't days. Don't call yourself a Buffs fan. You never were before, and you're not going to be after when Dion moves on. So let's put that to rest. Uh, so my second storyline is Clemson and Alabama's demise for real. I, mean, I say demise. It, there appears to be cracks uh they're you know 
the quarterback situation in Alabama, the way Clemson started the year losing to Duke. Is it for real? I mean, that's kind of been a storyline everyone's kind of talking about too. Is is it is their time over? So that's one I've kind of I've got that one sort of down on next. Uh mine is Pac twelve have saved their best for last. That's a good one. You know, how many times in the history I of this show have something like that, yeah. Have we come in here Tuesday after Labor Day and went, Well, Pac twelve's out of the college football playoff hunt. Right. And now in their last season of existence, there's eight teams ranked in the top 25. What are the, I heard this conversation yesterday And two afternoon. of them are still going to remain in the pack whatever. Yeah, the ones that didn't get to go anywhere. Yeah. The Cougs and the Beebs. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Yeah, two of them are still representing. But, and that was kind of mine was, it kind of started the year because – the easy answer to that question of the storyline, I guess, is who's going to win the Pac-12. Everyone naturally going to say USC. It has to be. They got Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, high octane offense, da da da. But that's still my question as we go into the conference play portion of the year: is who's going to win the Pac-12? I don't think that answer is as clear as what people would think it was at the beginning of the year. No, I don't either. Uh, Oregon State at Washington State. So Beavers at Cougars this week. It's a huge week. Okay. Oh, I think I saw yeah. I think I saw this the first week since at least two thousand that there are six games between teams that are three and zero and ranked and ranked and ranked. That's awesome. Uh, my third one is kind of goes in with the Bama thing, but the SEC struggled. We haven't seen we haven't seen that conference have any cracks as far as being the. Guaranteed number one best conference in America since that run started way back in 2006 with the first Urban Meyer Florida title. And I, I think there's legitimate question marks as who is the best conference this year. And, and I don't think anyone, anyone that says SEC is just because that's what they're used to saying, if that makes sense. I, I don't think that that's the case. I just the the results in the non-conference bear that out, and for the first time in years, almost twenty of them, there's a legit there are legit question marks and legit heirs to the throne of the best conference in in in, in college football. Yeah, um, I was kind of the SEC thing. I guess I kind of rides on the Alabama question, but not so much the ACC side. I think the ACC is actually a decent conference. Florida State, we'll find out a lot this weekend. Florida State and Clemson playing. Of course, there's Duke. Miami's look good so far. Carolina. Carolina's look good. Yeah, so there's some. I guess the storylines are the shift in in um, in balance. I guess more of a balance in conferences outside of the Big Twelve. I mean, yeah. that's, just, that's not worth mentioning. But yes, yeah, and then um, you know, how about uh? I had questions about Penn State. Now I'm my questions are how good are they? Because I've always never really trusted them because they've always blown that game to either, you know, Ohio State or Michigan or somebody. They always win that one, have that loss, and then it's always Ohio State's conference. And now it's been Ohio State and Michigan last couple of years. Michigan's conference, but can Penn State come up and, and rise those and, and challenge those two? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a storyline for me is that they look the part. They they do look they look a little different than those teams that looked good last like 
in non-conference games in the past, they look a little different, like something's better about them. Quarterback, Drew Aller. I'll tell you, speaking of quarterback, one of mine is it's the year It's a year of the quarterback. Obviously, the Pac-12 has numerous dudes. Caleb, Penix, Cam Rising, when he, you know, uh, Bo Nix, Uyangalele, you know, then young guys like Dante Moore out at UCLA. That's just in that conference. And you start looking at and Sanders, obviously, uh, has, has burst upon the scene as well. But I think when you look nationally, you start looking toward the draft. There, there are going to be so many of those guys that are going to get drafted in the first couple of rounds. Uh, I heard Jim saying yesterday some of the stuff he's read, maybe as many as like 10 or 12 in the first couple of rounds. You know, wow. what's what's the difference between Notre Dame this year and maybe the, the other years where they've been good enough to make the playoffs? Sam Hartman. He's, he's done incredible work there. Uh, obviously, Drake May at UNC. So, the the year and the, the, the great quarterback play, <clears throat> which I, I think if you look at it in the SEC, this is a big part of the reason why we see struggles, is where is it in that conference? Outside of Jaden Daniels at LSU, and like you mentioned, Jackson Dart at Mississippi, where is the quarterback play coming from in the SEC? It's not yet. I think that's why you see these teams struggling. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. That's all I really had. The last one I had is uh, the last year before everything changes. Yeah. Teams teams in the conference for the last year, obviously Oklahoma and Texas, the, uh, the uh, Pac-12 schools. But also, but but not only that. This is the last year of a fourteen playoff. Everything changes a year from now, with the twelve teamer being instituted. We we thought we knew what that was going to look like. Now with the implosion of the Pac twelve, that's going to change. And how that changes, you know, it, uh, we talked nil and, and portal. I think that goes with the Dion thing. But the, but that that's making waves in college football, obviously. And he's kind of the face of it, at least for this season. But this is the last year that, that college football has. We've kind of known it for the last decade. It's changing again. And how to, and you know, those those last those lasts before next year's a first is pretty good storyline for me. Let's go to Ames, Iowa. Man, I don't I don't even know what what to say to make this game exciting to want to watch with what we've seen from the offenses from these two schools so far. You know, Oklahoma State, they just – the, the free fall of the offense at Oklahoma State since you know Mike Yersich left has been staggering. I mean, for years and years, one of the things that you could count on in college football year to year was that Oklahoma State was going to be exciting and they were going to put up a boatload of points. Now, that didn't necessarily mean they were going to win any games because the question was how much can they stop the other side. But you had no doubt in your mind that you were going to see a 40-piece in a big game, and it was going to be awesome. I mean, that's, that's a big part of the reason why Bedlam has been the most entertaining series basically across the country 
because both of them would put up so, – offenses were so incredible, the defenses weren't. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was great. And then now, over the last – well, since Casey Dunn t- took over, it's been a steady decline, and now it feels like the, the, the bottom has just completely fallen out of anything and everything that OSU is trying to do offensively. And it's just crazy to see. Well, isn't that a part, a, a big isn't, – isn't the reason why is because – if you can't decide on a quarterback, you can't decide on an offense identity, offensive identity. Yeah. Does that make sense? <clears throat> sure does. And that falls on the head coach. It, that is, I guess this is a warning for everyone who thinks that I'm the smartest man in the room and I'm going to rotate three quarterbacks until I settle on a guy before conference play. Well, a bitch in the backside last week because they look so inept on offense and there's no identity there. But this has been coming. It has. It's felt like it this has, has been, been absolutely yeah. coming, and that, that's why the questions were asked at the end of the season last year about keeping Dunn and keeping James Dickey. And he and we remember how that worked out with threatening to pull or pulling credentials and all that. But it's it it should be blatantly obvious that there is a disconnect offensively at Oklahoma State right now. And I think you can draw a direct line. Unfortunately for this guy, you can draw a direct line to the beginning of what is, we're currently in the demise of Oklahoma State offensive football, directly goes with when Casey Dunn took over as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, Absolutely. 100%. Hundred percent, and that's that's just the way that I, I don't know. It's just the way it is, and it just hasn't been even in twenty twenty one. That that kind of out of nowhere fantastic season that almost netted a college football playoff spot. It really didn't have much to do with the offense. It was because Jim Knowles and that defense were top couple behind maybe only that ridiculous Georgia team when it came to third down defense. When it, a lot of those statistics defensively that year, it was like Georgia than OSU. And it, it it's just so wild to see with everything that we thought we could kind of latch onto about OSU football and how much different it is right now. I think there's a lot of things that go into it uh, as far as causes and reasons and whys. It's not just his fault. It's not just Gundy's fault for not making a change at that position. To me, the the fault that, that's at Gundy's feet more than anything is the recruiting part of it. And you can see it coming. It's just now manifesting itself right here in front of our eyes with those weak recruiting classes year after year after year. And unfortunately for programs like Oklahoma State, Kansas State, some of those developmental programs that would do more with less on the recruiting trail mm-hmm. it's going to get harder and harder and harder when those guys that you start to develop leave you through the portal and I think that's the this last offseason in the portal defensively for OSU is really <clears throat> a cautionary tale to me for what's coming 
if if certain things don't change. Do they need to change. No doubt. Yep. So does Oklahoma really get their first test in Cincinnati on Saturday morning? I think I made it clear. I think they do because it's on the road, opening conference game, Cincinnati's first Big 12 game, all the hoopla. I, I think there's something to that. I think there will be a test. I'm not suggesting they'll lose, but I think th- they'll, they'll be a test. I, I, but, you know, we talked about OU. There seems to be something different about them this year compared to last year especially defensively there seems to be an extra step they like they know where to be not running around confused so we'll uh we'll see if they can survive that first wave of excitement and fandemonium going crazy i think it's a plus side that ou plays at 11 o'clock and not at 7 p.m in cincinnati where the you know they probably have a blackout and all that stuff but i do now still i mean this is the fourth game of the year so I think it is a first real test because it's on the road. If OU were to play it at SMU or something, I, that probably I think SMU is better than Cincinnati, but it was in Norman and they took care of it. But this is a real. Let's see how they do it. I've seen some stuff in the past where they go into this type of trap game situation and not come out well, um, especially last year, obviously. So that yeah, I think it is a it's a test. How much? How much? <clears throat> How much do you have caution? How, how much is your is, is is the caution in your mind for optimism completely tied to what happened last year? Oh, 100%. 100%. Hey, you get that feeling like, okay, we were uh, the OU fans are going, we're here last year, 3-0, and coming off a of throttling in Nebraska, riding high, and then everything just fell apart. But here, you know what the difference is? Health? I don't know what schedule well yeah think about go go back a year ago to that to to what happened after the three and oh who did they play was it tcu kansas state tcu texas tcu texas yeah the two teams that played for the big 12 title and then texas without your starting quarterback that ain't this schedule instead it's cincinnati iowa state texas that's I, I'll just continue to beat that drum until somebody proves me wrong in within this lowly conference. I mean, you hear, oh, it's a power. Cincinnati is not a power five team yet. They're not. They didn't even have a chance to prepare for moving into the the Big Twelve. It just happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just it wasn't like they knew three years ago they were going to get in the Big Twelve. They knew a month. They knew seconds before it happened. So it's it's not like these teams were able to prepare to be a power five. They're still an AAC team, and so that's where when you look at the schedule, the o- Oklahoma lost three power five opponents in Baylor, Kansas State, and Tech, and they gained three group of five opponents. In Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU. BYU maybe to a tick of a lesser extent just because they're an independent. Of course, Cincinnati's lost a lot of kids. It's the whole point. That's what I'm saying. If this, uh, I'll keep on saying, if this really does turn into an absolute dogfight that Oklahoma barely escapes, it's going to be great to get the win if you're the Sooners or whatever. But I don't think that's a good sign. I just don't. I don't think it's a good sign for for this team 
being a team that can truly challenge to win a Big 12 title. They should roll them. I agree 100%. Whether or not they will or not, that remains to be seen. But I just don't. I, I just, yeah, I, 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 I just, they're, they're not. A, it's Oklahoma's schedule has like six power fives and six non-power fives right. in my mind this year. But I, I do come from the side of I've seen this before. I've seen this excitement before. As, as you know, last year, great example, going up to Lincoln, dominating them. And of course, Nebraska's a dumpster fire that appear to still be. But then that happened, and I get it. The the opponents matter. <coughs> it's just this. I'm not even. It's like if it's team A versus team, if it's OU versus whoever, it's just the situation for me worries me. You, you know, know the, what I mean? Because it's all of that that I said. You know the biggest difference in this team. OU. Yes. Who's that? What's that? Dylan, who's that? <laughs> Dylan Gabriel on third down. Yeah. He converted some third downs on last the, Saturday. They're, they're, that were like 66% versus last year, 44% after yeah. three games. And that, that equals to like 11 more drives that kept going. How many times in those in, yeah, overthrowing dudes, how many times did you see it? And right. especially in some of those losses, those one-score losses where a play needed at Kansas State comes immediately to mind. Missing Stoops there going left to right on the TV on a fourth down for an easy first down that, you know, t- take the lead. Mm-hmm. He's been way, way, way more on point. Decision making's been better. Looks calmer when he's when he has to scramble, knowing when to use his feet and all that stuff. He he does look like a guy that's been playing for quite a while and under Lebby's watch watchful eye. More comfortable. I think that's exactly and, right. And what's what's also a little different. What was a question mark for me was the wide receivers, and we've seen some guys step up. I mean, we'll see if that continues in conference play. And against better opponents like, say, Texas. But Anthony and, um, I mean, it's not just Stoops across the middle or Farouk. We're, he's spreading, he's throwing it around. Does that make sense? How many has he targeted this year so Bunch. far? Bunch. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And on the defensively, again, I'm being, I guess, too pessimistic. I mean, on the verge of being pessimistic, but I'm not ready to say they're better, but I'm, I'm ready. I still want to see it. The SMU game is something that we haven't seen yet from Venables' defense. In his a defense that won a game, kind of, and and SMU hadn't been held to eleven points since Obama was president. That's true. It's a long time ago. You know, that's that's a pretty impressive performance. These other two, that's yeah, why whatever. this TCU SMU game kind of. It's not for the fact that it's just it's okay. What does SMU do against another Big Twelve opponent? Sure. I mean, and you, you, know, you can try to take things from that. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, whatever. But it at least gives you an idea. I mean, if TCU just goes out there and flattens them defensively, then you're like, okay, well, okay. so everybody's doing that. Right. But at the end of the day, though, it all comes down to two weeks from Saturday. Yeah. Play Texas, then you have a real idea of what it is yeah yeah i, I agree with sam I, I, i'd love to see more of gibson and nick anderson out there they just look they look different than the dudes that even i mean oklahoma hasn't had those guys the bigger taller mm-hmm. stronger mm-hmm. outside guys they've been really good at the short shifty guys good as anybody in the country but they've they really have i mean mark bradley was he the last tall lanky 
really yeah. good. I mean, seriously. A CD, maybe. CD, yeah. yeah. CD is a good one, obviously. I went too far back, but anyway. Be interesting to see if Cincinnati really can put up a fight. Um, do you? So, you, but it's obvious you put some stock into these the, these schools hosting OU or Texas for the first time, mm-hmm. and then I mean I'll put some with that post- some of the rivalries that are going to be gone. Right, Baylor right. this week with Texas, mm-hmm. obviously Bedlam later on down the line for OU. Yeah, TCU too for Texas. They go to TCU later in the year. I wish they went to Tech so bad. I know. And it play TCU at home. Go to te- Tech is the one that really. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bedlam and Texas and Texas Tech. Those two teams should have been on and the road. And another for those. game that should worry OU fans is at BYU. They were they, pretty they, good. They got a good win last week against Arkansas in a dogfight. Um, but that at at BYU is. Just ask Baylor last year. That was it's a, an incredibly tough environment, and they'll be jacked up in Provo. Yeah, sure. And then of course Stillwater and Bedlam. Yeah, that all means something. This is the last year in the Big Twelve for both OU and Texas, and going to places like Cincinnati for the first time, and and then on top of that, it's their first Big Twelve game. Got not put that on that list here of you know going to places for the first time. Could be, uh, could be a trap. See, I put a lot more into the going last time, just the because time. because yeah. those are already kind of established rivalries versus some mid majors. It's hard for me to find a game like that for the last time for OU outside of Stillwater. Maybe Lawrence. Not really. Not really. It's it's OSU. Yeah. And for Texas, it's Baylor and it's TCU. Yeah. Programming note. Go right ahead. Toby Rowland, the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners. We'll be on with me tomorrow, 9.30. So awesome. We'll preview that Cincinnati game and, and look ahead to the rest of the uh, conference play for OU and, you know, other games too throughout the conference maybe this week. But um, we haven't had him on in a little bit. Yeah, so, it's been a couple years. Yeah, so we'll have him on tomorrow, 9.30. Very good. Toby, tomorrow. Scott will be with you the entirety of the show on Friday. Awesome. Very good. It's good get. Appreciate Toby's time for sure. Yeah, uh, to come on with you tomorrow. Very good. Um, let's see here. Random stuff at the end. I've got another video <laughs> that I'm scared to death. Well, I don't have anything on, so I'm going to click it here in a second. Uh, golf. Ryder Cowan, uh, formerly of Elk City, just graduated as a two-time defending state champion individually for Oklahoma Christian Schools. He played his first tournament. For the Oklahoma Sooners this week, he played as an individual up in Olympia, Washington. Uh, Ryder shot 72 in round one, which is even par. He made four birdies, an eagle, and six bogeys. So it was kind of a roller coaster of a round yes, or on Monday, the first round Monday. Then he finished in the dark on Monday night uh, for, with a four over 76. Came back yesterday, was four over with three holes to go. Birdied his last three holes in round three to shoot one over 73. Uh, so he ends up, what's that, four, five over for the tournament. Not his best, obviously, uh, but leaves with a good taste in his mouth with those three straight birdies. So hopefully that's uh, the first of many, many times we'll see Ryder in the Crimson and Cream. Uh, and I, I know we will. He just uh, probably a little bit of, probably a little bit uh, excited to get out there. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, I can't even imagine what that would feel like. So uh, Ryder, not his best for sure, but he'll be better. He'll be back. He'll be fine. Uh, also, I just showed you that video. So, Darnell Taylor, I had never, ever heard 
his name before yesterday. If you didn't see it in the Seattle-Detroit game, Detroit has the ball, Jared Goff in the shotgun, receiver comes in motion, and it's that play where they snap it back to Goff, and he basically just like touch passes it forward. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a jet sweep, but it's a pass if they drop it, you know, instead of trying to hand it off and, and fumbling. And the, the, the receiver gets like five yards, gets tackled. In the backfield, though, as Goff touches it forward, he completes the rest of his assignment on the play by dropping back and, and pretending like he's got the football and going to pass. Cue Darnell Taylor, the right side defensive end, who then rushes in, falls for the fake completely. <laughs> And just tattoos Jared Goff about four seconds after he let go of the football. Uh, flags fly. And Taylor still doesn't know he did anything wrong. He gets up and has a little sack, sack dance celebration <laughs> without knowing the ball is not in Jared I mean, Goff's There are good instincts in football, then I guess there's just that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was bad instincts. I mean, I, I get it. You're... You're trying to rush the quarterback against a dude across from you that's probably 6'6", 350 pounds, and is trying to tear your head off. But, Darnell, unless this was the first play of the game, which it wasn't, you have to know that as you've been being blocked by said 6'6", 350-pound human, when you have little to no resistance to get to the quarterback – there's a really good chance he doesn't have the ball. <laughs> and honestly, and Goff wasn't even play fake. He just he just pitched it, but then pitched he it. but then he dropped. He kept he dropping did back, the drop back like he had like and had his hands in like right. holding the ball position, trying to you know he carried out a fake. And man, did Darnell Taylor bite! And honestly, it would have been pretty funny if he had just hit him. But getting up, doing the sack dance celebration as two different penalty flags fly for your late hit <laughs> just really, really set that off to the end. Uh, that was phenomenal. Really, really, really phenomenal there by Darnell Taylor. Now, I, Oh, man, my Twitter updated. I'm going to have to find this on Golf Digest. Uh, somehow, someway, I'm afraid a dude teeing off on a par three hit himself off of a ricochet, off of a tee marker. Seen it. Where you don't want to hit yourself. Is that what happens? I've seen it. Yeah, it's... I've had some pretty unbelievable shots. Like, I've hit a tree or two that I've had to dodge. Coming back at (laughs) you. Coming back at me, but I was dodging my head out of the way, but not not down there. (laughs) You see the guy who just lost it. He teed off pretty wide fairway from the video, and he found the one puddle... That was right in the middle of the fairway, and he just lost it. He said, nothing 30 yards that way, nothing 40 yards that way. I find the one puddle. <laughs> and he tried to hit out of it, and he just made a mess of Oh, he was, he was like, no, no, I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. <laughs> and everyone, all his buddies that were coughing with, and they're filming him just cracking up because he just lost it. I guess he was not having a good round up to that point. I'll have to find that for you. We cannot play that on the air. (laughs) 
it sounded like Morse code after we edited it. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, it's, I'm watching this dude. I mean, poor guy. The guy who got yeah he's, took the. He's got pants. Tees up. <laughs> yeah. Iron in hand. And just. Oh, he hit the T mark in front of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you see it. I thought he was going to hit the side. The front to the right. I mean, yeah, he hit the front right T mark and it came right back, right right into his lower extremities. I mean, that is such an impressive bad shot. Like the you couldn't do it if you tried. Couldn't because at that, if you know golf, those T markers are at an angle. Yeah, and for it to hit it directly and then come right back at you at that angle. Yeah, that's a rough break. Wow. It's a really wow. rough break. Question is, who has the best chance to have this happen to them this weekend in the golf event I'm I'm attending? Who has the best chance? Yes, of all the combatants. Who's going with you? Can you say? Probably shouldn't. <laughs> You know, you have over everybody else when you talk about talking trash. I mean, you got a mic. You can talk all the trash you want. Oh, I know. About them. Hey, what happens if the BD cup stays at the BD I cup? I assumed it was something like Unless that. Unless there's a video of somebody in a T-marker and hitting <laughs> right in the, uh, right. The, the, mid, the lower section. Everybody have a great day. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way.